I love that thing you're wearing. That, right there. I love it. Yahoo! better stop selling yourself so short my friend oh, thank you it's it's debatable whether or not i've wasted my brain space but i've definitely allocated it to something what one cannot argue that there's not a lot happening up up here it's just whether or not it's the right <laughs> thing up here. it's just <laughs> like certain things to, it's interesting i saw i just from following your twitter i saw that you're doing the noble thing and that is um consuming one punch without planning on doing one some piece. one piece one punch why did i think of one punch one punch is a different guy he's a, a different guy, guy. got a cape he's a whole different guy i never i haven't met that guy yet i don't know him <laughs> you haven't met, i don't know her never met her before in my life my god i've heard of her she seems like this man. I think my brain was like kick puncher and went one punch. <laughs> I saw that you were saying that you're reading One Piece and you don't have anything planned for it, and I'm just I don't know. I was kind of curious as to how you're. Are you enjoying, I enjoying it? One Piece, uh, which as of this recording, I think has like 994 chapters. Absolutely absurd because it's been going on for over 20 years at this point. Uh, and has been published essentially nonstop for 20 years by the same dude. And uh, uh, the Viz Media, uh, this was actually going to be one of my plugs at the end, so it's good that you brought it up at the beginning. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, as an app, I, I read it on my tablet. And for $2 a month, two American US dollars per month, say, uh, you have access to everything, all of it. 994 chapters of One Piece, uh, fucking uh, Dr. Stone, uh, Chainsaw Man, just like this insane library. Not as expansive as, say, the Marvel Unlimited library, sure. but yeah, for $2. Okay, <laughs> wait, what is it called? What is this? Viz Media, V-I-Z uh, Media. So in the same way that like Marvel is a publisher, mm -hmm. Viz is a publisher uh, exclusively of manga, basically. And so I have been, yes, and I, I nobly decided I'm going to start reading One Piece, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to turn it into a podcast or a YouTube show. I'm just going to settle in each night before bed and read a couple chapters of One Piece because my I have many friends that have been asking me to read it or watch it for years. Um, and I did try the first episode of the anime and I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, no, no disrespect to anyone that loves the very popular One Piece anime. Oh. Um, but and they were like, well, Kevin, quarantine March. Now's the time. You have no excuse. And I was like, uh, yeah, 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 I'll get around to it. Uh, and then six months went by and I decided to do a community podcast instead. That was the new embarkment. I decided hey, Kevin, real quick. How's that going, by the way? Uh, quarantine or the community podcast? The community podcast. <laughs> Sometimes I make a damn fool of myself, uh, but you know, could could be worse. I'm surprised how little I make a fool of myself based on 
how many hours of my voice have been recorded or how many tweets I have sent. It's remarkable the percentage at which I have not made a fool hey, of myself. Hey, I mean, look, it comes with the territory, and I think you're a pretty good navigator. I, I, I appreciate that. I was like, okay, yeah, I won't. I probably won't get to uh, One Piece this quarantine. It'll probably be over by, like, June. You know, I kept saying things like, oh, this is <laughs> October. <laughs> We're all dead. Uh, whoops. And, uh, and, and October hit, uh, and I was basically like, all right, fine. God said this isn't over until Kevin reads One Piece. So, so I have done the noble Herculean effort. My, my Herculean task is not to slay the Hydra or to clean up barns and barns of horse shit like the real Hercules. My, uh, task is to read... 900 almost 1000 issues of one piece um and you know what it's good i there's a lot of yelling there's a lot of yelling but it's really well drawn in a very like cartoony expressive clear way mm-hmm. uh, i'm liking it i'm slowly like getting into the characters it's taking like a long time to assemble its full cast mm-hmm. so you really get to like Okay, I'm going to get acquainted with this guy, then I'm going to get acquainted with this guy, and then this gal, and then we're slowly building out that that kind of fun though. Yeah, it it you know, there's two ways to do it, right? Um because All at once. <laughs> yeah, there's either like and then you're like I can't follow this for shit. Who are these, these people? people? Right, yeah. Thing. Uh and too many people do not differentiate their character designs enough. God help me. Anytime you open up a fucking Justice League book and it's Batman, Superman, <laughs> Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern, and Batman's many dark-haired, chiseled sons. The second and they're out of costume. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Which one is this? Can you, or, like, are you Nick? Dick? <laughs> this are you Clark? Guy? Are you Clark? Are you Kyle? Who are you? Jason? Jason? <laughs> Uh, that happens over and over again. One Piece, not the same problem. They really like, uh, it's one of the things I like about the X-Men as well, uh-huh. where um, yeah. they, you are all very distinct from each other. I can be... Having a diverse uh, cast is beneficial in more than one way. It's beneficial not only in like... Because <laughs> it just like makes your story immediately more interesting, and it becomes that much easier to for your brain to, without running any programs through your mind. You, you don't have to learn a mnemonic device to get through the first four issues. Uh, the worst example of this I've maybe ever seen mm-hmm. was uh, they recently adapted uh, one of my favorite books of all time, Catch-22, mm-hmm. into a Hulu series produced by George Clooney and the first scene of the whole television show is we are meeting the whole platoon of characters that the book like gradually meters out to you over the course of its runtime right like you you meet the protagonist and then you in the first chapter you meet like a, a wild crazy medical doctor and like two other guys right but the show the first thing they're doing is 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 introducing you to the entire platoon at the same time and they even stick a a a name underneath each each face uh it's george clooney giving a monologue to these guys and the problem is these 16 gentlemen are identical (laughs) (laughs) 
this a bit? Are we? <laughs> is he multiple man? Oh, like, no. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even complete the first episode because I was like, how the fuck am I ever supposed to tell these guys apart? That's so real. I actually, I've, I've also been uh, venturing into another gargantuan task. Um, I've been, re- I finally, finally, finally to start, decided to start reading Dune, which is, you know, a behemoth. Um, I, of course, have the copy that's written on, like, pages that are kind of, like, half the width of a regular page. We sold that that one at FP, and I was like, this is, you could kill a man with this. It's literally 884 pages. And when you look up anywhere on the internet, it's like, dude, 400 pages. And I grabbed this, and I went, bullshit. (laughs) But I remember being, you know, afraid a little bit. Not afraid, intimidated at first, because, you know, there's this element, there's all these there's an entire new culture you have to learn, and there's different words used to describe different statuses and the different political structures. It's like a political fantasy. Like, it's polit- – you know, it's it's a whole thing. And I was like, should I read the appendix first so I know some of the language? Is that a thing? What should I – you know, how do I do this? And and I just saw some people be like, just like – just trust it. Just jump in. Um, and I, it's funny because, like, I'll, like, read it, and then I'll get to a point where it says something that I don't recognize. And I'll be like, okay. And I, like – think I kind of know and then for a couple pages and then it'll come up a second time and I'll be like let me just look up on Google or something like that and then of course and then I look it up on Google and then I'm like oh okay and then of course literally the next page integrates that idea so it's it actually does a really good job of like you know giving you a little bit of mystery and then very quickly being like before you get too 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 confused like here's the answer um but it's still uh gargantuan I don't think it's 994 issues gargantuan um (laughs) Although but those 994 issues also have pictures. Like, right. <laughs> it reads a lot quicker than Dune, I imagine. That's true. Well, there's that. And then also, not to mention the fact that there's... Let me see. Hold on. I have it right here. You can hear the, the turning of pages, which is a fabulous sound for those of you. Tablets. Yeah. Yeah, get um, one of those ASMR mics that looks like an ear. Oh, my God. <laughs> but then also finding out... I didn't even realize that Dune was technically like a series, and there's like Dune, Dune Messiah, Children of Dune, God Emperor of Dune, Heretics of Dune, Chapter House Dune. I was like, whoa, hey, hey now, I'm just trying to get through the first 800 pages. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> there's um, six other editions. There are six other books, and the way they're structured is so weird, because Dune 1 is... You know, in that format, 800 pages. And Dune 2 would be, like, 400 pages. Yeah. And so you're like, what? cut the first one in half. Give it the old, like they're doing for the movie. Just take a fucking scimitar axe and just whack it oh, right in half. they're doing for the movie? They're only doing, like, the first half? Yeah, they didn't call it, like, Dune 1 or something, but the movie is dune one and that they are like in production on dune two so they do technically split dune up into i believe it's book one they do book one dune book two maldib i'm not saying that right and book three the prophet so it's technically into three parts but like is are they just splitting the first book or do they have intentions of doing the whole chronicles like what's my my understanding of it would be uh, and uh, no, I am not in the Warner Brothers meeting rooms, but uh, I they are they have already like approved. We are doing Dune one and two. Mm-hmm. And so while we are getting everyone ready for Dune one, we are working on Dune two, which is bold because these are like not only super expensive movies, but Dune 
there are people that fucking love Dune and are obsessed mm-hmm. with it, and it's like their favorite book in the entire world. I think Dune is also equally known for bouncing people off pretty quick. Just right. like the overwhelming nature of it just pings them off. Uh, sure. In the same way that a lot of people have started Infinite Jest, but have not completed Infinite Jest. The difference is I have no desire to read Infinite Jest. I would like to read them both one day just to be like, I've done it. I've read them. I can now, like, uh, I, I can yeah. say that I've done it. Uh, but my to-be-read pile is insane currently. Yeah, it's absolutely sure. bananas. And they keep putting out new comic books every week. And well, like, Why do they do that? Hey, slow hey, down. Slow down. <laughs> take, take, like, a year off and yeah. just let us catch you're, up. You're telling me... You're telling me that we you're telling me that we had to wait a whole year for a Marvel movie, but you can't stop for three seconds for me to catch up on the Marvel comics. No, I'm I'm obviously playing. Please give me more comic yeah. books. Yeah, absolutely. Keep keep pumping them out and I will keep paying you to pump them out. And yeah, that is fine. And that is that is the cycle. Yeah. I think the other one I also have, I mean, you know, the reading list never ends. I'm actually currently reading I've found you know, I'm not the child I used to be. I can't read three novels at the same time anymore. But I can read a, a novel and a fiction and a nonfiction piece at the same time, and that's been really exciting because I've been also I've also been reading Theater of the Oppressed by Augusto Boal, which if you are a theater nerd or a justice nerd or both like myself, I highly recommend it. Wow, it's amazing. Um, but on my list, another gargantuan task is I have the complete collection of um. Lord of the Rings, like sure. all of it, like all of it. And I, part of me wanted it just as a collector piece because it was so pretty. I was like, oh, it's so pretty. Hello. The way that they buy my pretty. So pretty. <laughs> um, but at the same time, Barney was like, oh, I should read it. And then I was like, oh, oh, this is tricky. <laughs> yeah, um, you are, no, you've got the whole Lord of the Rings. Does that include Hobbit and, and Silmarillion? Or is it just the, the Tritch? I think it, is including Hobbit and Silmarillion. I where is it? Is it here? Is it in the other room? It's um, it's in the other room. I'm not gonna go. That's all right. I have not attempted a Lord of the Rings read in a long time. So like my opinions on reading them are the opinions I had when I was like 13. So sure. let's <laughs> let's let's introduce the idea that half a life ago my opinions have changed. Oh. But I remember The Hobbit exquisitely readable. Very silly, very light, very fun. You can cruise through that in a day. Uh, it's just so... It, it's light on its fucking feet. And it moves. And Fellowship is a is a turn, but Fellowship is still, like, readable. You know? It's still like, okay... And then, unfortunately, the, the issue you get into is that you start to see what Peter Jackson and co. cut, and you start to understand exactly why they cut whole chapters out of fellowship like okay do you remember in fellowship they're running through like a a cornfield and they're like you've eaten farmer maggots crop and there's like a scythe that's like coming at them and then they fall down a hill (laughs) yeah vaguely yeah (laughs) okay we spend a whole chapter with farmer maggot of just the hobbits staying at his house so more side characters is what you're saying to me. Yeah, there's That's a whole chapter we spend with a wizard named Tom Bombadil. Uh, I've heard again, Tom Bombadil's the coolest, though. Nah. <laughs> nah, <laughs> no. okay. Maybe my opinions have changed, but 
it's sort of when I'm when you read those chapters, it reminds me of the Simpsons quote, when are they going to get to the fireworks factory? Because mm -hmm. we we're like, we got to get the ring to fucking uh, the Council of Elrond. We have to get it. Like, I know we haven't even met Aragorn yet. And I'm spending a whole chapter with Tom Bombadil. <laughs> I when are they gonna get to the fireworks factory? Right. <laughs> that was half a lifetime ago. If I read it today, maybe my uh, opinions would be very, very different. But yeah. then you get to the second two books, uh -huh. and and they they are also divided evenly in half. And the first half is Aragorn stuff, and the second half is all Frodo stuff. Oh. And the Frodo stuff is boring as sin, my dude. <laughs> dude you go. It, I don't know when the last time you watched those movies were, but if you set a stopwatch on Frodo, he's like thirty minutes of those of movies two and three, <laughs> and it, they really justifiably spend all our time with the very cool characters like Aragorn and Gandalf, um, and we spend less time with Frodo and Sam. Fuck, we have exactly enough Frodo and Sam fucking around in the yeah. movies. The books give you. And the books are insane because, like, Frodo gets stabbed by the spider at the end of book two, which, as you might remember, is near the end of movie three. So all the good Frodo stuff is in book two. It takes them a whole book from stabbed by a spider to destroy the one ring. Of Jeez. Uh, this is, of course, Advanced Community Studies, a podcast. Ooh. American uh, television uh, comedy show Community, uh, the first podcast in the Yahoo Screen Podcast Network. Uh, I wait, am, what? I have decided uh, that we are part of the Yahoo Screen uh, Podcast Network. Uh, Yahoo has not been informed of it that I put their watermark on the podcast. Part, that I've put the Yahoo Yodel at the front of this podcast. Uh, Yahoo doesn't know. Are you? Oh, oh my god. Excited that we are. <laughs> it's just no, <laughs> uh, uh, and like, what's Yahoo? You think Yahoo's got enough loose cash to sue me? Do you think Yahoo's coming after me? Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> wow, oh, son, <laughs> Yahoo ain't coming. We're covering one third of Yahoo Screen's original programming. <laughs> <laughs> you, wait, wait, that's a real statistic. It's a real statistic. We are covering one, th and I just need to find people to start their own shows about uh, Sin City Saints, the uh, comedy about a fictional Las Vegas basketball team uh, starring Malin Ackerman, or Other Space, the Paul Feig-produced uh, Star Trek parody. Uh, and if oh. we can, if we can get that going. We're the Yahoo Screen podcasting community. It's like a co-op of podcasters. All the profits come back to us. Uh, much like a co-op, like your labor is your, your pay. You pay dues. It's like a union, right? Exactly. <laughs> we love unions. I do. I don't want to speak for Kevin. But... Big fan. Big I mean, like, like any entity run by humans, there are corrupt unions, but like... Like the police union? Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, exactly. But if you enjoy your lunch break every day, guess who got that for you? Do you like, do you you, like weekends? <laughs> do you like 
40 hour work weeks because it was way worse. Do you like do you like not being locked into your place of business and only unlocked from your cage until after work is done? Yes, that's a real fucking thing. Do you not like being an eight-year-old in the coal mines? Because guess who negotiated for that to not happen anymore? It wasn't, it wasn't the coal industry out of the kindness of their heart. They weren't visited by three ghosts one night. There was a union. If you like not getting your hands chopped off by reaching into all the itty-bitty nooks and crannies of working in a sewing factory as a seven-year-old, well, news for you. Thank your local unions. Thank your local union. <laughs> This is uh, quite the tangent. This is quite the tangent. I am uh, one of your hosts, uh, TV's Kevin Lanigan, and Georgia, the country, is much obliged. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. I love that quote so much. Uh, what's up? I'm Jace. I use they, them pronouns. I'm back. I, you know, I, 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 time is fake, and sometimes I apparate and can't and can't record sounds. Um, but I am here this time. But Friendly reminder, Arizona backwards is Arizona. It's a Palomino. Our our uh, daddy host is on assignment this week, so it's just the the Greendale two of us. The the Greendale three is of course our beautiful listeners. Oh, that's yeah. that's really nice. I um, guess you. <laughs> I see that when you're not around. <laughs> So I guess you don't hear that. This is the first time it's just been two of us where I was actually one of the two. So I was just like, wow, that was really sentimental. There's no love in it anymore. It's just, uh, I just, I'm callous. Uh, But let's, let's, let's just jump right into it this week. Shall we? Uh, He dares say jump right into it. 22 minutes into pressing record. (laughs) First episode this week season three episode two geography of global conflict directed by joe russo written by andy bob uh in this episode annie uh gets it in her head to make a model un but a different asian or annie steps in and does it first uh so the study group becomes part of a dueling model un uh where at the same time britta feels a sense of inadequacy that she has given up her former protest life in exchange for a safer easier more comfortable existence and uh she t- takes it out on everyone and chang in very specific ways hey uh kevin did you just say the word asian er yeah should i oh. should i go back should i bleep that no i <laughs> i've just never heard that word before you know i it's a lanigan original it just sometimes my big dumb mouth uh opens up uh, like a, a a one piece style jaw drop to your chest, and sometimes a fly comes, out, and then sometimes uh, just a random nonsense phrase comes out instead. Uh, so, for those of you listening, I don't know how many other um, community podcasts you listen to, uh, but we actually I don't know has it been released yet. Uh, I put they the videos have been released, and they are also I put them on this feed to come out before this episode. Um, so so Jason and I were lucky. I assume I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we're talking about that episode, so we might as well. Uh, essentially, we we just get, why don't you, we, we did a watch through. We did a, like a, a, we got a, there was a group of, we were lucky enough to be invited onto this uh, community podcast roundtable, if you will. Of, I think it was four or five different 
podcasts. Yeah, there were there were four or five different community podcasts and the writer of this episode, Andy mm-hmm. Bacro, Uh And we did it sort of split in two chunks. One is like a generalized Q&A uh, and the other is like a watch along where we're like commenting on the episode, you know, stopping to talk about things in depth. And both of those are on this feed previous to that. Yeah. So everyone can enjoy that if they so choose. Yeah. Uh, Jason and I were both brought along, which was very nice. Uh, they We were asked to add some like chaos to it to add some like uh energy and rapport uh, <laughs> I, I, to it. I'd say we did a decent job <laughs> I, we did. I haven't watched back to it but from what i remember uh we definitely did our share of, of sowing the seeds <laughs> well, i mean it is it is we are recording on the 13th you know chaos is the theme but um, it is the uh, nine-year anniversary of the episode Remedial Chaos Theory today. Uh, not when this comes out, but the day we're recording. Yeah, the day we're recording, uh, and Monday is... Not October. for you, but for us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the past, everyone. How is it in the future? Uh, is, is Joe better? texting you every hour like he is oh me? Oh my god! Does Barack Obama keep sending you emails on his behalf? <laughs> Thanks, uh, both of you. I've Thanks, ar- Obama. Thanks, <laughs> Danny. Obama's America. <laughs> you are not a big Pierce fan. That's a good Pierce. Line. No, that is that is a, that is that is a genuinely clever, clever line. No, but the thing we do, we actually spent a decent amount of time uh, talking on that roundtable about how the the simple idea of ranking episodes is so ridiculous and complicated. But upon you know reflection. For this for this episode, you know, I, I was realizing the more you watch any single episode, the better it gets. Right. So like absolutely just, you catch on to like little things. So this episode, which is so good, you know, just not not necessarily one of the ones that you'd recognize immediately as like, oh, this is a great episode, even though mm. it's a fabulous episode. If you watch it multiple times you start to realize no this is this is a damn good epi like this is a fire episode and like that's 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 kind of just my whole thought about this and you know we talk a little bit about just the timeliness of like the discussion of protesters and police officers and you know how how that discourse has shifted a little bit and all that stuff but this this episode does a great job of talking about you know you know model un which is innately a political fantasy game if you will if you really break it down founded on high-minded rhetoric and empty gestures (laughs) right and then you balance that out with like a narrative about you know protesting and and cops and all that stuff it's it's a it's a well-rounded thematic venture into politics i don't know (laughs) it's a good episode what's the deal with politics this is like mid-tier community but mid-tier community is still like amazing so fucking exceptional jokes pierce being super into somalia is so funny uh and (laughs) and calling uh jeff you're a gay very fun troy with the georgia riff is excellent and it's it's just this endless like series of bits. The Britta and Chang plot line is like fucking excellent. It's really the well, and it fart. Uh, the fart is so good. The and fart, it, fart the the thing that whole and that like I like that they don't start yelling at each other. They just can't stop like laughing. They just can't get their shit together enough to like keep going with it. It just also has this one big glaring thing that I hate. <laughs> And, what is this? Uh, so this is 
Uh, I, I will I will firmament this down. I am, again, not trying to alienate any fans, but this is the episode that put me off of Jeff Annie forever. Oh, <laughs> no coming back from this episode's handling of that dynamic. It's so upsetting. Uh, because the first two seasons don't really acknowledge that as like a pairing in the same way like they kiss in debate they kiss in the season one finale but it's dropped immediately and then we and then like you know conspiracy theories is flirty but it's not an overtly romantic episode and then it kind of comes back in the fake flashbacks with the sarah borella's gravity like montage very funny Mm -hmm. but these first three episodes of this season hit the Jeff Annie quote unquote relationship so hard. And it's like, for me, really off putting. I was like, I didn't section. I didn't, I didn't allow this. <laughs> to do this. I mean, I've never been a fan of the Jeff and Annie. And I think that's also because my entire perspective on it was informed by its arc as a whole. And this is decidedly when it becomes like truly like a thing a thing you know like and that's why it's so uncomfortable it's because when if it's just in like tiny tiny doses you can be like ha ah, and just like pa- just push it out of your brain and be like it's not a thing don't worry about it it's fine it's it's just a joke it's just a bit don't don't worry about it don't worry about it and then you have to okay hey look it ain't no thing don't worry about it but then like but then like now you ha- it's like they're like we're like and we're tackling this head on they're gonna have an awkward conversation about their strange dynamic and it's it's a bit gross no it's a bit gross like there is some alternate approach to this relationship on screen that no, there isn't <laughs> well um there there's a, in some uh earth two or sure. or some different timeline. There's a situation where they handle this differently, and the show doesn't constantly, constantly call out the age difference. Because the actors themselves are not that different in age. But the characters are grossly different. Like, 20-some-odd years mm-hmm. different in age. And the fact that the show will not stop hammering that in... Every single time, the way he calls her kiddo, that like gross, like noogie he gives her in, in the, in the classroom. And then the, like a scene, like I I was watching this episode in preparation to talk about it, just so it was super fresh in my mind. And I was like, why does this episode have like this weird pin in my brain? Why do I go like, like, cause I'm laughing. It's really like all the, the UN jokes are great. The flying heads across the screen is excellent. <laughs> Why does this have like this red flag in my mind? And then we get to Annie's freak out where she free like it's too much like an eight year old temper tantrum. Like I get what they're <laughs> doing, but the way she says like poop face and her like body motions are like way too. It's like too well acted. Way too coded young. Like way too coded young. And then Jeff says. You're acting like a little schoolgirl and not, not in a, in a hot, hot way. way. Which is top 10 grossest things I've ever heard on television. And Easily. I watched all of How I Met Your Mother. Like, I watched all of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's really spot on. It's interesting, though, because also they know how gross it was. I mean, this show is really, I mean, you know, look, 
comedies have always known for some reason the the go to the map for make an uncomfortable joke uh acknowledge that it was fucked up and then move forward that's the path always uh whether we're talking about um big bang theory community uh the office scrubs you know like any of anything basically that's just the format and the, the unfortunate thing is right after he says that he has this brilliant exit and i'm blanking a little bit but he he goes okay i think it's i'm like that's not what i meant and here's why and then he just walks away it's and, it's, and it's it's a brilliant bit and, it, and it, it's it's one of those it's yeah it's yeah this this episode is so weird. I mean, the whole dynamic of that age difference is supposed to be weird. Um, I think also around now it's interesting. They're actually it does kind of line up though, because right around now is when they're actively starting to be like, mm, Jeff does suck. Like they spend a while, you know, trying to be like, hey, you know, Jeff's kind of a douche, but he's still kind of likable. Um, and now that they're kind of, you can tell they're pushing Pierce out. Someone needs to be a dick. Right. There needs to be someone that's a bit of a foil within the group. And they're like, well, it clearly must be Jeff because Jeff is just a young Pierce. So, you know, it, it, in some ways, that's a narrative that they played with. Um, and it's just it's right around now that it's starting to pick up. I think I think it's it's they're playing it. And that's kind of what like the previous episode, the season premiere was about was like Jeff can't. He doesn't quite fit into the bad guy role, partly because right. he's the protagonist. But Pierce is so much better at it in mm-hmm. every conceivable way. And and that season premiere is actually really smart in in Pierce, like acknowledging that and knowing he has to be the most hated of the group. They even did it in season one where the episode where Pierce and Shirley have a falling out, have a fight and Pierce leaving the group it throws off their whole center of gravity, right? They start being vicious to each other because they don't have Pierce anymore. You need your punching bag. Right, you need your punching bag. And uh, it, that makes a certain amount of sense. Uh, and and that's a really smart approach to it. Time-tested trope. Time-tested trope. And to the show's credit, they've like always known that Jeff is gross. I, there, I can't really think <laughs> of anything on the show where Jeff did something gross... And I don't feel like the show also knew that it was gross. You know, the way where you sometimes have that like cognitive dissonance where you're where the character is doing right. something bad, but you're like, do the writers know that this is fucked up? Yeah. Like how I met your mother. <laughs> how I met your mother. Where you're like, okay, Barney is obviously staged as a lovable supporting character. He's the breakout character of the show. They published books written by him. And it's like, ha ha ha, one of Barney's classic bits. And under a current lens, you're like, Barney is a serial rapist. He is like, he is, he is a lunatic that we have let loose. And the show and I are not on the same page regarding. Not anymore. Certainly not anymore. Not anymore. And part of it was that I was fucking 12 when How I Bet Your Mother. We were so young when that show came out. But that also goes to show just like how how much of that is, you know, culturally and societally trained in a way. It's indoctrinated. You know, these the the, the what behaviors we view as acceptable are taught to us by what we are told is benign by tv shows right you know or so yeah 
speaking of a different show that I don't think always walks this line perfectly, mm-hmm. but It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia has a really good episode where they go to like an 80s uh, they go to a mountain ski slope and uh, everyone's like, it's going to be like an 80s ski movie, like drinking, sex, partying. And they even bring in an actor from the movie Ski School to like essentially play the same character 40 years older or I guess mm-hmm. 30 years older. And the characters can't stop going like everything you're doing is terrible. <laughs> like you're committing so many crimes by behaving like an eighties movie character. Mm-hmm. Um, you it, community is the only media set at a college that is not morally reprehensible constantly. You cannot watch <laughs> set at a college because you're like, this is not, these are animals. And College are... movies have become a genre of their own, you know, like the National Lampoon kind of vibe in itself, you know? It's just like, what's college? It's sex and beer. And it's just like, it's... But it's it... not only that, like, I'm like, why couldn't you do, like, good sex? Why does it have to be, like, looking through right. sorority windows? <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's been because it's the, the people creating the content have always been cis straight white dudes that are way too old to be making these movies and they just wanted an excuse to look at young performers take their tops off i mean it's 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 just it's gross you know but it's yeah that's i think i talked about this on um on another on another show that we another podcast that we got invited on to about how like troy and abed are my favorites because there's the one episode where um abed goes through his list of um things that he wants to do while in college, right? A clear riff on the college movies, that genre of movie. And all the things that he does are like subtly subverting these tropes in far more wholesome in ways. And it's, it's, it's so great. It's so good. I love it so much. They invent a robot called Boobatron, but we, the audience, are not privy to any titillation. You know, it's just right. like he's recreating the visuals of the trope, but not executing on what makes them morally objectionable. So he pants or Troy pants him. And so, like, who cares? Troy pants Abed. Abed's cool with it. Like, that's their dynamic. And it's only Abed when literally Pierce wanted pants, him to. Right. But it's only when Pierce pants Shirley. That it's like we have crossed the Rubicon. Like we Which is this, also this, this kind of I anytime that happens, I find this really subtle. I find that to be kind of a, a meta moment in itself. It's very much um it's not exactly Caddyshack reference, but it's very much like Caddyshack is one of those fucking movies. Animal House and Chevy uh, Chase was one of those guys. And so mm-hmm. to show the way that that context has shifted using Pierce and Chevy Chase as a bit of like a conduit for that commentary is I, I mean it's actually really really smart some smart stuff good yeah, stuff there's some smart stuff going on in the show community and it's and this uh, model un discussion went off on a wild uh, uh tangent but it is wow, i think sure. all related to you know the thing that skeeves me out despite how funny the rest of this episode is like martin star as professor Cligoris so is good so Cligoris? other one Either pronunciation is fine. Uh, and the way he's like, the rules to which I would have to spend the whole night devising. It's just like this little smile. <laughs> he's so good. 
Oh, it, uh, Annie invented the the Model UN, and he's like, "Oh, you're Clark M. Michaelberger. I've had your picture around my name." <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, and I'm sorry, just to like keep quoting this character when uh, they start talking about the science of getting to Earth too, and he's just like, "Science checks out." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love that it's so subtle. The way that they pull that off, that's one of my actually, I think that might be one of my favorite structural elements that's ever been executed in the show is the fact that Abed cannot resist but ask about are these, in the, like, is this a multiverse situation or is this like, are they in the same, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he, about free will. <laughs> yeah, but what does it say about free will? Which is brilliant <laughs> because that's such a great multiverse question, right? <laughs> I love it. Two episodes later, we're going to explore that to, like, its fullest potential. Right. Exactly. Um, but even still, like, a few seconds, like, they pass it off as something that's just, like, Abed being Abed. Like, and they manage to make it useful. Like, it's the, it's, it's the efficiency of storytelling for me. Like, hey. <laughs> it's just uh, absolutely. And we would be, uh, before we, like, wrap up, the discussion of this episode because i think we basically covered it and we covered it a little on like the q a and the discussion but the the chang plot line but even more so the uh the monologue given by uh mel rodriguez as the security chief where he talks about the protester that got away that like he had a rivalry with a different protester and he was so jealous of the cop that got to not hold back their police brutality restraint. Right. And, and, and like, he talks about like, got some brains on that flash. Oh, like, or no, Chang says brains on the flashlight, but he, right. he mm-hmm. also like talks about like how much he, she was beaten with a nightstick and, the taser. And, like, and he fetishizes it. Mm-hmm. In, and it seems you could read it as like a tasteless joke, but I read it as this scathing fucking commentary on mm-hmm, the types mm-hmm. of people that become campus security and police officer is wannabe cops. And cops are the people are just like that much better <laughs> at uh, braining protesters, right? Like they got to ascend because they're that good at braining protesters. Right. And so I've I've worked at a lot of jobs on a lot of college campuses um, where I have had to have a lot of direct interfacement with on-campus security personnel. And the, with Chang and the Mel Rodriguez character, mm-hmm. they have so perfectly pinned down who campus security is. They can only escalate a situation. And if a situation is too escalated, they just call a cop. It's it the the desire to be the tough guy, despite what you're wearing and the job that you hold. Like <laughs> I and and at these same jobs, we always have like the local police chief come in and like give a speech about like basic security things. I don't know why we do this. Um, but here there's something <laughs> noticed about fucking security guards and fucking cops of both. You would hope in your heart of hearts, that if you're talking to someone whose job it is to uphold the law and make split-second moral decisions, that they wouldn't refer to people as the bad guys 
but them universally do as if they're the fucking Fantastic Four. As if, like, they are facing down a mole man. And (laughs) not... But it's Galactus, dude. We gotta fight him. We gotta fight it. Like, they always... And they use the word bad guys. And I'm like, why do you have an eight-year-old's understanding of moral decision-making? Because that's the whole gig. You don't... Exactly. If if you're told, just blindly follow these rules, some of which they make up, by the way, then, like, you don't have to think about morality. You just have to follow legality. And if your entire function is based on legality and not morality, your entire function is perpetuating atrocity. Period. Absolutely. Look, I hate cops. <laughs> God, what a beautiful, Such a beautiful line, and so relatable. And delivery, a great GIF to pull. I'm sorry, GIF to pull out. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever heard you correct yourself with that. I've just started going like, who cares? Whatever. Like, fine. If it if it makes people happy, I'll say GIF. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, I it truly doesn't matter. Uh, but that's a that's a beautiful moment. And yeah, I said it a lot in like the Q&A. I love this Brita plotline. It's the perfect plotline for her. How much does she believe what she believes at the extent the, a fucking conundrum that like everyone that cares about large societal issues reaches, right? Like, OK, am I supposed to be out there getting tear gassed and and beaten or do I get a backpack and highlighters <laughs> that and those two things are not necessarily mutually exclusive, but it's the crossroads people reach at Britta's age. And I think this is a very funny, but also like oddly thoughtful exploration of that idea. You're making good points. Like, am I the guy who's on the front lines, you know, grabbing the tear gas and throwing it back? Or do I, you know, donate money for the war effort, you know, or some combination thereof? Hey, you know, what am I going to do? Yeah, you got different things, different strokes for different folks, different Karl Marx, something, something, uh, what you can, what you can contribute to society, those who can't, and so on. I really need to, there's a quote, you know what quote I'm referring to, my brain doesn't work right now. Yeah, read your Marx, kids. Please it's like, do. To compare it to exercise, the best, the best exercise is the exercise you'll actually do. There are more, effect- like, burpees are a very effective form of exercise, but am I going to fucking do that? No. Am I going to sit on the exercise bike and watch those scrubs? Absolutely. So that is the best form of exercise. Is oh, the there one you go. They do. You know what oh, I mean? There you go. There you go. Uh, let's transition, shall we? Let's into do it. Uh, season three, episode <laughs> <I'm> three. <laughs> you said, let's transition, shall we? My brain went, again? Okay, sure. All right, here we go. Because I'm trans. You get it? I transitioned already. I see. It's, it's a joke. For those of you listening, I am trans. Episode three, Competitive Ecology, uh, directed by Anthony Russo, written by Maggie Bandor. Uh, the study group is split up for a assignment of creating terrariums, uh, which is the biology equivalent of dioramas. And uh, at the same time, Chang solves a mystery that doesn't exist. <laughs> we love this. I love this venture into this absolutely absurd film noir reference um and i love that it's kind of contagious toward the end the dean starts doing it too the whole episode is worth it for when they're voiceovering on top of each other (laughs) i have to know more about these firemen were they different races could i get a calendar (laughs) 
It's so good. I also love it's like no, it's, <laughs> the lines right around there at the same time by the um, the actor we were just talking about, Mel Rodriguez. Yes, Mel Rodriguez. Where he basically he's he's like, okay, no, look, I I can I can deal with not getting paid, right? I draw the line at you enabling this maniac. <laughs> Which is, it's a beautiful thing. And then he went off to be a cast member on Last Man on Earth for fucking five seasons. So I think he made it. What about that exit, though, is that he he grabs the saxophone. He comes out of that hole with the saxophone that was in there. And then he's like, I just, I can't allow you to enable this guy. And then walks off with the saxophone. Like, he fully takes it with him, which I yeah. love. Free saxophone. Didn't seem to get damaged in the fire. Yeah. You can either Shock. learn to play saxophone or you resell it. You flip it. Pawn it. Flip that sax. Oh my God. <laughs> this... Flip that sax. Flip that sax. I just... This is a good episode. It's a good episode. This is, this is an episode I struggle with. There are parts of it I really like. Like the Chang Noir plotline I think is more amusing than it is funny. But it's very amusing. I'm, no, I'm. I don't find it very funny, but it's it's one of the more entertaining plot lines. I think. I think. I don't know. I, the reason why I refer to this as a good episode is because they 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 do a lot of they. I don't know. They pull off a lot of like small things with the character dynamics. Excuse me. I don't know why I'm getting excited, but like the um like the way that they they're able to present the way that they think about themselves and the way that they relate to the others in the group with like the voting system and all this stuff. It is, uh, it, it hurts though. <laughs> like there's definitely, like when you find out that they spent all night just arguing about partners, it's like, damn, like, whoa, this is. And just being so mean to Todd. Like me so mean to Todd. To the point where like, I didn't think it was that, it wasn't funny anymore. I was this this episode. This is the episode of the entire run of the show that most pushes these characters to unlikability. Absolutely. Because they there are other episodes where they do unlikable things. There are other episodes where they question this group's impact on the people around them. See Garrett's wedding. Uh, or the you know other episodes where the we see the impact they have on other people. It's rarely this direct and sustained. There are other episodes where we question whether or not this group is toxic, like Annie's pen, or even what's coming up next, remedial chaos theory, right? Where we like cover that so well. Mm -hmm. This episode really pushes almost everyone into a point where I'm like, do I like these people? Why do no, I like these people? That's very real. Like, especially the fact that they literally, at the end of the episode, they're like, they're like, and we're just gonna pull back to reveal Todd looking up from a microscope and crying and then, like, finish just the shot on the tear. I just, and like, like Rita throwing the flaming on him. <laughs> right, no, literally the Looney Tunes thing. And then, like, Britta just throwing the flaming cards into the bucket and forgetting about the, the turtle. I have to say that Todd's little monologue is everything. It's exquisite. It's really what well. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> Your love is Your weird. Love is weird. <laughs> I and love And he's got these amazing voice cracks. Oh, it's just so good. And, you, and it makes it worse because the more you learn about Todd, you're like, he has a newborn baby to go back to. And you're like, oh, and he fought in the war and he suffered for all this stuff. And, like, y'all are worse than Iraq, which is like, damn. Like, like damn. Like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, 
this episode's brutal, but it, it it's it's kind of I almost like commend it for pushing it into this you know new territory for these characters of being like, hey, you know these guys Luke kind of like a suck sometimes. I don't know. I definitely I see fully what we're going for here. There's just a lot of this that pushes it to the brink for me. Uh, there 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 are things I really like. Uh, uh, if loving worms is stupid, I don't want to be smart. It isn't, and you can't be. <laughs> brilliant! It's so good. That's one of those lines that takes like listening to it three times for it to like fully register how brilliant it is. At least for me, because I was like. Oh wow, that's good. And then you think about it, and you're like, "Oh wow, that's really good." And you're like, "No, that's that's brilliant. That's brilliant." It's very good. Uh, these these first three episodes, you know, I'm like overall pretty iffy on, but there's a lot of good, like fucking noises off wordplay. You know, like there's a lot of like you know those see through pens that you run over the thing and you 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 emphasize the letters, highlight. Oh, probably the backpack. Like there's a lot <laughs> of that vaudeville shit. Uh, that I that I really appreciate. You're a creationist. You don't even believe in biology. Well, yeah. if introductory biology course can refute two thousand years of miracles, ah! <laughs> yeah, it's fucked up. It's fucked up. I think I think it's I think it's the good stuff because it's probably some of the most challenging writing that the show presents to the audiences, which has a time and a place, and I think it allows for a lot of really good uh, payoff especially later on in the season. Because we're about to do, like, Remedial Chaos Theory, Horror Fiction and Seven Spooky Steps. Like, there's a lot coming. Uh, Pillows and Blankets, uh, the, 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 the Greendale Seven, you know, all this stuff that's going to, like, push the identity of the group. I mean, it, I would even venture to say that this whole season, a lot of it is interpersonal conflict. You know, these people that we're used to seeing getting along not getting along. And I'm not talking about the, like, stray, like, Pierce sucks episode. I'm talking, like, Troy and Abed are fighting, right? The people that love each other the most are at each other's necks. They're all trying to convince each other that they're not the worst one. And it's like, this is just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a theme in this season. And it's, it's interesting. I haven't really thought about it as in regards to, like, the, th the season as a whole and, like, what motifs we're seeing. But I'm, I'm starting to realize that, yeah, it's... Yeah, uh, the Dreamatorium episode is in this season. Like, there's so much in this season that's going to jump at the boundaries of, like, what are these dynamics? How far can we push them? It's, like, being very experimental and exploratory in that way. In a way that yeah. is not always successful, but that I admire. That we're willing to push these right. these envelopes, to use a cliche. Just, like, and, really set. <laughs> and that feels very community, too. Like, community. From the jump had always been a show that pushed boundaries of what you can get away with uh, in terms of the structure of their content, right? Like they, you know, it wasn't that same formulaic, like as even as TV shows like comedies today, you know, get more and more expansive. There's still a lot of structural consistency throughout the entire season run of the show. This show always pushed the boundaries of what they could get away with structurally. And that's just like, I mean, you know. Not not including like Rick and Morty, but you know there is in fact a connecting feature. Like, yeah, uh, that's a show that again is like always wanting to to both of these shows credit 
and sometimes to their detriment, but they are never willing to stay stationary. Yeah. They are always wanting to see what else can we do. And sometimes that's because a cast member leaves and you have to bring in a new element. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes they're like, I'm bored with what the show was in season one. You know, we yeah. did the relationship thing. We did the sitcom thing. And now we're going to do something weird and, and different. And we did a landmark season you know, season two, universally acclaimed. And they could have kept doing fucking genre stuff until we were sick of it. But they won't do that. Yeah. They they will keep trying to redefine and reassess. And that is something that makes the show so interesting. Yeah. Even though, like, sometimes I hear feedback from people where this is not their number one show that are like, you know, I just find The Office or Scrubs or other good shows yeah. more comforting because it's more dependable on what yeah. you will get in a given episode of the Absolutely. show. I, I think, uh, though, there is something to be said about Dan Harmon's role in all that. And just like, I, I, I don't want to speak for Dan Harmon. I don't know what Dan Harmon's thinking at any given time or, or ever. But the idea of just like not relying on the comfortable, I think, is very intentionally challenging that's a that's a very Harmon perspective, I think, you know, based on what I do know about him and the stuff that he makes. You know, it's constantly just like, eh, let's let's do something new. Let's challenge this. Let's push this. Let's get even more out there. Or, you know, let's get it's exciting. I for me, I love when people play with structure and this show crushes it. And this episode definitely does that too. There's some it's just some wild stuff. And that turtle, best actor in the whole damn show. Great turtle. Love the turtle. Incredible performance from Todd's turtle. You love to see it. Where's the Emmy? Best turtle in a, in a television program. In the entrance, too. It's like, I was listening from the bushes. I found a turtle. Look. He's so cute in this episode. Todd is so funny. Like, I, I would love to have been in the writer's room to just be like, hey, look, we want to have, like, Todd with a live animal that, like, lives in a bucket so that Britta can throw flaming cards onto it to show that she actually isn't aware of where she is or anything like that. They're like, <laughs> Well, how do we integrate an animal? And they were like, why not have Todd pop out of the bushes with a turtle? And they were like, brilliant! And it just stuck. I don't know. It's I I'm really curious as to how that decision was made because I love it, but I also acknowledge it is fairly absurd. I like that we bring in a new character for this. Yeah. That that it's not, you know, we don't we could it could have been Neil, and Neil would have been funny and equally put upon but that kind of sours dungeons and dragons Absolutely. if we like ruin that dynamic that for sure it yeah. can't be garrett or vicky because they already have like their own kind of avenue at the school so it's good that we bring in like a complete newbie nice guy for them all to <laughs> this is also a really good episode for uh biology professor kane played by yeah. michael k williams uh, you guys have weird reactions to stuff. <laughs> I have so many conversations at this school that make no sense. Look, look across your table. That's going to be your lab partner for the rest of the year. And Troy just goes, who are these people? It's people. <laughs> it's amazing because the presumption is at this point they've been in class with them for a little while now. And yeah, but they're so self-involved that they don't, they haven't met the person across the fucking... You no, know, we had a word for you kind of people in prison. It was the mean click, and they go, oh! <laughs> We had a word for you in prison. Called you the mean click. It's so funny. And Annie just gets so offended. It's so good. 
It's really good. Annie does a faint. This is not a show where people faint a lot, and she does a full on. <laughs> so you goes, uh, can we make it up? Oh no, you all failed. <gasps> <laughs> so good, so good, so good. It's a, it's a mixed bag for me, but I appreciate yeah. that the show is willing to go. Yeah. Honestly, I actually I do kind of agree with that perspective on the whole thing. I think there's some. For me, I get really excited by that challenge. But I think as a whole, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not my favorite episode in the world. No, but it, it's it definitely captures that that challenging nature that makes me so happy. So happy. So happy. All right. Uh, is it do you Rank. feel like it's time for rankings? Yeah, we yeah let's do it. Uh, so the first end tag we are ranking is uh, Pierce Operation, where they're playing. Oh, taking his and then it ends with the horrifying image of Chevy Chase just like eating ribs whole, and that sound effect they put over it. Just, just he like can't. It's so bad. It's so bad. Um, it's just also it, it feels very much like Chevy was like, I want to do this bit, and they were like, fucking okay, because the operation bit is like supreme, and then the Chevy Chase bit is just like what. <laughs> like gross and weird and out of left field oh uh, but it's also then there's also he you could tell he was like haha operation i can make a rib joke you at least you didn't get my ribs and then he's not actually ribs. i was a kid it feels like <laughs> if it feels like how like in a always sunny they keep danny devito around because he's like wouldn't this be funny and they're like sure danny um, and it's just so weird, but it doesn't have that same charm because it's fucking Chevy. Who's <laughs> yeah, Danny DeVito on It's Always Sunny is perhaps the number one greatest cast addition. <laughs> you know, after after a season uh, that like they bring him in in season two, and I'm like, I can't even imagine this show without fucking Danny DeVito. Whereas the other uh, person in this equation is Chevy Chase. Hmm. Uh, so one of us gave us the beloved movie Matilda. The other kind of sucks. <laughs> sucks. Um, I do mm. like this end tag though. So I'm gonna. So I'm looking at like spaceships. Some, you know, about the same like laugh quotient. It's not. A, it's not as funny as Donald Glover screaming slut. Right. That's, that's my first. You know me now. That's where I first go. I go. Okay. Slut. And is it above that or below that? It's definitely below that. Definitely. Um, oh, but not so far below. Not so far. I think you're pretty close with the spaceships. Maybe. Mm, I I just kind of love spaceships because it's a very wholesome, true to Troy and Abed moment. Okay. <laughs> I'm on your six. I'm on your twelve. What? <laughs> I'm on your six. Good. Good. <laughs> Um, hmm. I would put it just below that. Okay, yeah, above oh, Abed and the janitor. Ah, mm, it's above lots of shirts. It's for above me. lots of shirts. So the new number thirty. Sure, why not? Yeah, okay, excellent. Uh, and the second end tag is Britta giving everyone psych tests, and she, like a Rorschach test, reads them all as a penis. <laughs> maybe I need. Maybe I need one. A test, not a penis. Not right. a penis. I really like this test. <laughs> it's very funny. No, this is a this is a good right. one. This is also, I think, the first this, Britta end tag. Yeah, this is the one that like is solely like she is the joke delivery in this end tag. 
And this is a weird end tag because it easily could have been the first scene in an episode. Like mm -hmm. this very easily could have been the thing that plays before the theme song. But instead, it's an end tag. It could have really right. done one. Which is great because they end up pulling it in, I think, either in the next episode or very uh, the Halloween episode. You know, yeah. is this the test? Ooh. Um, I think for me, it's around the same territory as fake fire alarm. Where are we? Ooh, I'm I'm similar to you. Give or take uh, but, a little bit. I'm not sure exactly, but I think that's uh, you know because Kick Puncher is right down there, and Oh Christmas Troy is a couple. I think like, it's funnier than Oh Christmas Troy. It's definitely funnier. Oh Christmas Troy is a classic. A it's a classic. I think, I, but I think as far as in general, I think this one. Uh, I don't know. It's tricky. I. I would put it above a Christmas Troy, and I can't quite quantify why at this point. But I think just because it also ties in later on as like it's this important thing. Um, maybe I am also tainted by the fact that you've greatly influenced my perspective on Britta recently. <laughs> it's really like my purpose on this earth, you know. If I can, you're doing a I great job of it, Kevin. Convince <laughs> people of the of of Britta Perry supremacy, then I uh, I will have I I can ascend. <laughs> my purpose yeah. here is done. And yeah. I can return to my home planet. Um, <laughs> I would put it right below Oh Christmas Troy, but above In the Morning with Rich. All right. Yeah, I'll do it. Just the I Oh Christmas Troy is getting kind of a, a legacy vote for me. Well, that's uh, fair. But it's a it's a Yuletide tradition. Oh Christmas Troy. Sure. Now the episode rankings. Whoa. These are a little bit lower for me, even though they're integral episodes to me. I think they're just a tad lower. I think they are solid, funny. It's definitely solid episodes. But like, if you're looking at what we have in the top like 25 of this list, like that's that's tough fucking competition. That's, that's tricky shit. Tricky that's shit. Tricky. Okay, so let as a starting point, uh, uh, the Model UN episode, Geography of Global Conflict. Um, better or worse than the Greendale presidential election? Ooh. Better, but not by much. Model UN better than the election? I think so. See, this is why I was talking about this earlier. I think because I've seen it so many times recently that I think it's actually a little bit better than it might be overall. Yeah. I, one you know what? big red flag, but the rest of the episode is really good and very funny, and I like it. No, I... I, I can actually get behind that. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Okay, going a little higher. Is it better or worse than the season three premiere? Biology 101. I The parts of Biology 101 that I love are some of my favorite bits on Community, even though I think the episode as a whole is not my favorite. But the, the opening musical number... John Goodman's monologue, uh, <laughs> the, you know, Jeff's like 2001 sequence, like all of those are all time community moments. The episode is fine. Custody law and Eastern European diplomacy. Which one's that? That is the Eastern European guy hangs out with Troy and Abed. And oh, yes. I think I like this one a little bit more than that. Yeah, one. so I would say I, it's really cool. It's with biology 101. So I actually, you know, I'm going to say this is better than biology. One, one. I'm going to say, yeah, I'll agree. Um, better than drug play. No, not better than drug play. There we go. Bada bing. That's good shit. Mm, tasty. Uh, mm, tasty shit. 
Um, I love the taste of shit. All right. Someone, someone so, take that sound bite and please put it everywhere on Twitter. Me, I love shit. All right, then the next one, uh, competitive ecology. This one is a little lower for me. Yeah. It's not as good as the pilot. Mm-hmm. No, it's not, as good as, it's not as good as the pilot. It's really good. It's not as good as the STD fair, which no. is an episode I quite like. Wow, so this is actually pretty low. Is is there anything you like in this episode more than Vaughn's two songs about Britta being a bee and Pierce being a bee? Because I don't <laughs> like those. I like those songs way more than I like this episode. No, I, I do see what you're saying, and I think I have to agree with that. With that, with that uh, distinction, yeah, I think I'm. I think I actually have to agree with you there. Okay, we're getting we're getting perilously low. We haven't been this low in a long time. In a long time. Um, uh, is it better than the Jack Black episode? We're getting close. Which one is that? That one's forty-seven. Yeah, it's forty-seven. What What's the other plot line in that episode? Uh, Jeff starts working at the Greendale newspaper. <laughs> oh, I'm actually gonna say this one's just slightly better than that. Just for just for Todd and his monologues. Yes. Okay. 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 We're honing in on it. Is it better or worse than the episode where Britta and Troy take a dance class? Worse. 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 Okay. Here we go. New number forty-seven. Forty-seven. Where to go? S three. E three. Competitive ecology. Think about how you don't know how to spell the word competitive. I try not to think. Competitive, too many, the T's with Concentrate. Concentrate. Uh, let's see. So, now we go into the section that we call plugs. Oh my gosh. Jason, on the plug train today. I got nothing. I got nothing. There's nothing, um, be safe out there. Be safe out there, y'all. Um, happy Happy Halloween month. Explore gender. Uh, Halloween is a great time to play with gender expression and identity and have fun. Don't let anybody tell you that your costume is stupid because it's amazing. And if it brings you joy, that's all that fucking matters. I love you. <laughs> we gotta make it weird, Kevin. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make it weird. It's okay. It's, I love you. <laughs> I love you. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, my plugs, nothing, nothing personal, uh, this week. Uh, but I like to, uh, share where people can enjoy free and cheap things that are also good. Uh, so, uh, up top, I mentioned the Viz Media app again, two bucks a month for a lot of material. Uh, so would highly recommend that. Let's see. And also uh, two games that are currently completely free to download and play. One of them is Rocket League, the game where you play soccer with cars. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun uh, beep beeping around there. And yes, uh, you can just stick a little fried uh, pride flag on the back of your car. The second is uh, it might not be to everyone's taste. I would recommend just typing the name into YouTube and seeing if it looks like it will be for you. But if you like Zelda Breath of the Wild, but with some anime, maybe this will be for you. Uh, It's called Genshin Impact, G-E-N-S-H-I-N Impact. Uh, And it's, again, completely free 
to play. Uh, and, uh, you know, I have enjoyed the release of running around uh, a big grassy field as some anime characters, and maybe you in the audience will as well. We will be back next week with one of the biggest dogs <laughs> in the community dog park, Remedial Chaos Theory. Oh, wow. Oh, jeez. Oh. oh, gosh. Oh, wow. Yes. That's unbelievable. How could they do it? But and stay tuned uh, for the guest interview that I uh, have at uh, the end of this episode, where I talk to uh, the moderator of the uh, best of Gillian Jacobs Twitter account, uh, the Gillian Love Bot. Uh, she <laughs> name is Tony, and she's from the Philippines, uh, and so it was a very like interesting uh, conversation about how comedies like Community translate. Uh, and I, I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, but until next week with remedial chaos theory, pa 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 Thank you, uh, Yahoo, for all the money. <laughs> We're gonna fly. <laughs> We're gonna smile the entire time We're gonna be more happy We're gonna finally be fine We're gonna get more calm and normal We're gonna fix our state of mind We're gonna be less crazy We're We're gonna gonna finally be fine We're gonna stand holding hands in a brand new land Far away from the borderline We're gonna seem like a mainstream dream And be appealing to all I am uh, thrilled to to have on the interview portion of Advanced Community Studies uh, the the operator of uh, the Best of Gillian Jacobs Twitter account uh, at Gillian Lovebot. Uh, direct from the Philippines, this is Tony. Tony, how are you? Hi, Kevin. I'm good. How about you? Oh, I'm doing okay. Um, I had uh, this Monday off of work, which was very nice. Um, and now I now I get to talk to you. That's good. I just got off work. Yeah, I know. It's uh, we have about a twelve hour time difference, so it's very it's very early for you over there. Yeah. Um, well, I appreciate you doing this. Um, all the same, thank you. Thank you too. Okay, so um, I guess my first question is um, why Gillian Jacobs? You know, of all the people you could start. A Twitter fan account for what is it about her that stands out to you? First of all, I started it because I I think nobody nobody has a best of Gillian Twitter before, and I said, why don't I start it? And I don't know. There's there's something there's something about her. I work in I work in IT, and then it really means a lot to me to see her supporting women women who code women. Women who are in STEM, so that means a lot to me. And I don't know, she's the most relatable actress I've seen. She's a teetotal, which I am too. I didn't even know the there was a word for that, and because of her, I know that. I think that's 
that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So you've, um, uh, yeah, she has that great documentary she directed called Queen of Code, and I'm I'm guessing you've seen that one. Yeah, I did. So are you a um, community fan? Is that how you came to to know Gillian Jacob? Yeah, I started community uh, in quarantine, April. Nice. And then, um, so she uh, jumped out to you, and and. <laughs> Um, and you were like, I have to start a, a fan account for her. I've seen, I've seen an account for Allison, and I said, why not make a Gillian one? Allison has a lot. People, people love sharing pictures and videos of Allison, and I yeah. really appreciate how you're doing the same uh, for for Gillian. Thanks. Yeah. I've only seen a few. Uh, I really appreciate the work you're doing over there, sharing really good uh, images and videos and and gifts. Um, you're 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 providing a valuable service. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> so, have you uh, since gone out and viewed some of her other stuff, like uh, Love on Netflix or or any of her movies? Yeah, I did. I've seen Love and. The latest ones too, also Ibiza and other stuff. Yeah, and also the things that she has directed. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think she's she's shaping up to be like an interesting director, um, and we'll get to see more from her uh, later this year. Uh, yeah. when, when Marvel Six One Six comes out, which is exciting. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for that. Absolutely. Um, so, what is it that drew you to? community uh were you just bored in quarantine and and that show was there oh no oh i think years ago it it was really big on tumblr i was on tumblr back then and then i i saw community there i think it was so big that i can remember britta annie and jeff but i can't remember their faces and then and then when netflix announced that it's going to be on the on their platform I said, I need to watch this. So yeah, I love sitcoms. And that's why I said, I'm going to give community a try. Uh, and it seems like uh, maybe you liked it. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so is uh, Britta your favorite, if you have to pick a favorite? It's a tie between between Britta and Annie for me. Yeah, Yeah, that's Can't hard you? to choose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's That's tough. So what are some of your favorite uh, episodes of Community? Oh, definitely. If I have to pick, it's the it's a documentary episode. Uh, the Green Deal, the Green Deal commercial episode. Documentary oh, filmmaking Yes. <laughs> great episode. It's one of my favorites. That's a good one. Um, is there any anything in particular that makes that one stand out for you? I think it's Jeff. Jeff has a bean. So fun. It's, it's so very, funny. It's very funny. Yeah. Are you on board uh, team six seasons and a movie? Are you waiting for that movie? Oh, of course I am. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. So you are uh, from the from the Philippines. You live in the Philippines. Yes. Uh, and I'm, uh, I'm wondering about how that affects how you uh, watch the show. Because it does feel like a very American show in a lot yeah. of ways 
uh, are there uh, barriers uh, to that? Are there are there things and and references that uh, you don't think you get? Mm, I think I think there are some, but I'm used to watching American shows, so I don't think there are some. There are some that I get, and there are some that I don't. But I think it's more of the movie references that they use, or some TV reference. Maybe like specific actors or or shows or movies that yeah. uh, maybe aren't as <laughs> big and well known in the in the yeah. Philippines. Yeah. But uh, on the on the most part, it's like uh, relatable. Then. Yeah, I went to college, and I wish you know community was something like my college experience. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's like a dream. Absolutely, I think we all wish our yeah. uh, colleges were a little more like Greendale. Yeah. Do you think, because a lot of times shows get adapted into other countries, right? And they'll do yeah. like a their that country's version of it. Do you think this is a premise that could carry over to the Philippines if the Philippines wanted to remake Community? I I don't think I don't think they could. Teen remakes, American TV show remakes here. They're usually uh they're usually Korean ones who they remake here. It's interesting if I did see a community remake here. So, so it's usually you said um, when when um, Philippine TV remakes a show, it's usually a Korean show. Yeah, it's usually a Korean drama here. Uh, because I guess those uh, countries are in much closer proximity than than Philippines yeah. to U.S. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, so you you mentioned watching other american tv uh what are what are some of your other favorite american tv shows i've just been finished parks and recreation uh yesterday two days ago yeah it was good that's, that's great yes an insight into how our uh government works or or doesn't work yeah <laughs> okay so community parks and rec those are good shows yeah and then brooklyn 99 is one of my favorites they're pretty big here Okay, yeah, those are those are very good shows, and um, all the shows you mentioned are very broad comedy. I think uh, yeah. that that probably translates pretty well. Yeah, you know, if if I think uh, people playing a game of the floor is lava or paintball, like you can probably understand that in any language, even if you miss yeah. some of the like pop culture references. Yeah, that that's what makes community unique and beautiful. Right, <laughs> everyone understands. Not even other shows. Uh, is there is there anything else you want to share um, about this show? Anything that you just um, really want to talk about? I don't think there's anything else. I think we we got it covered. Well, that was great. Thank you uh, for for hanging out uh the the twitter account that you can follow is at uh gillian love bot uh if you are a, a gillian jacobs aficionado like i am i think i think uh our listeners would enjoy that thanks of course and we share your stuff on our twitter account all the time <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> thank I, you <laughs> yeah because i like it or i uh use it for a joke or i just want to share something i i like it so thank you thank for you so you're doing great work <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
This has been a Talkback Podcast. That was quite a show.